Hello, welcome to the Tim Allen podcast. We're back after a little break, actually. Been away for just over two weeks now, um, but we're back in back in action. Lads, I'm still shivering with awkwardness after watching the One Show's FA Cup draw, which was mighty uncomfortable for everyone, including Teddy Sheringham, who's just had a scornful look. That handshake thing the- was painful as well with the fans. Oh, it's it's not the one, is it? Not no. the one. John, how are you? You all right? Yeah, well, like you, just cringing off that handshake thing. You'd like someone to said to him, why don't you pretend to shake hands and everyone make a noise as if it's a really big deal? Oh yeah, yeah. I think they should do the Champions League draw on country country file. Yeah, <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's all a... about attracting viewers to different platforms and age groups and all that stuff on the BBC. Absolutely. Now. Yeah. There you go, Jack. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, it looked like you had a nice train back from um, the north back down to Derby. Oh yeah, we had everyone going to London, um, going down the the Midland Way instead. So it was rather cosy. Nice. That's good. Well, I had a great time because, um, John, you made the tactical decision of leaving Newcastle at a reasonable hour. And um, we were like, oh, we'll get the last train at 10 o'clock down south. Um, turns out they cancelled that with 10 minutes to spare. And luckily we were with Sam, who lived in Newcastle. So I ended up hanging around and ended up in flares at 4am. So there you go. But- One of those was saw your message and was like, can't do anything about this like <laughs> i feel for you but i can't do anything from my sofa um, <laughs> good <Yeah>. luck <laughs> i tell you what though there'll be worse places to get stuck on a saturday night than newcastle yeah, yeah. It was, at least it wasn't like accrington I, i'm generally planning to to organize a proper night out there it was fantastic i had a great time there was a chat went to a karaoke bar and there was a chap called mick i went to the the front and was like how how long do we have to wait to get on and he was like an hour and 45 minutes and then oh, as, wow. as as the night went on, we realised that a bloke called Mick was just singing every other song. <laughs> and he was awful. And he, he basically decided, you know, it was all the standard. It was Bon Jovi, and then it was Queen, and then it was, but ah, oh, not good. Not the one. Right, uh, we've got quite a busy pod today, because obviously we've been away for a couple of weeks. So we've got, um, we'll eventually catch up on Ipswich and Gillingham, but I think we're going to start by talking about the Newcastle game, as it's relevant. Um League One wrap. We'll obviously talk about what's gone on. Be it that we've we've missed a couple of games or a few games on Saturday, and um, there's games this week as well. So we'll preview what's going on across League One tomorrow. Um, February fixtures. We thought it was worth, given that we've got 700 fixtures this this month or the month coming up, that we'd touch on what's actually going on. Um, we'll be previewing Blackpool. Uh, we were going to do a quiz, but we were going to base it off. Um, Actually, we'll get to that when we get to the section, I guess. We'll more more on the quiz when we get there, um, and then that will be it. Yeah, but firstly, we're going to go on to the news. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Manor News. Breaking news at this time of recording. We are playing West Brom away in the FA Cup if we beat Newcastle. So instant reaction. James, what did you think? I mean, it wasn't the best one. We we played there, no. what, two, three years ago? And it's not an easy place to get away from um, late on a tube. When will it be? Like a, It's definitely a midweek game, isn't it? 
and so Wednesday. Yeah, that that game I looked it up was back in 2014. It was the the one all where we were apparently amazing, yeah. but then got it on. Yeah, got it. Pens at pens right at the death, but no, it's another one of those. We've just had rubbish draw on the draws, haven't we? This this season, really. Yeah. Um, it's a shame. Jack, I'm guessing you weren't any more delighted than I was. No, like you say, we've played them recently, and with all the kind of so-called big clubs in there, you it is a bit of an anticlimax. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been a funny time, really. The the FA Cup, and I think we're pleased to get the replay, as, as we'll touch on. But uh, Jack, I thought I'd uh, go for you to see if you fancied a rant about FA Cup replays. <laughs> you were very you were very animated today, and obviously Klopp's made his, well, in my opinion, ridiculous statement that he's not going to be there. And um, yeah, you had a nice rant this morning, so I thought you could uh, regale us of that rant. My um, fuel for that's been increased by Gary Lineker's stupid tweets today as well. He suggested <laughs> that uh, the FA Cup should start earlier. By earlier, he meant the big team should come in and the like. third round should be in September. So someone said to him, well, when are the qualifying rounds going to be played then? And he said, oh, well, they could do them in the previous season. I mean, I'm sure all step eight and nine clubs would be would love to be playing an FA Premier round whilst they're trying to catch up on 20 games that were cancelled over the Christmas time. I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. oh, yeah, Glop. I think is comes across very arrogant about it all. The fact that he won't even manage a youth a youth team say is ridiculous. That was the thing that really got me going. Was all right, play the kids whatever, let the, the other players go off and wins break. But why can't yeah, exactly. he manage it? I mean, yes, there's a lot of... The stress on the players, the, the manager is obviously different to the to the players in you know, mental, physical and so on. But he could be there. Well, he doesn't need to be there to take coaching yeah. in Ibiza or whatever <laughs> it is. It's well, that, and that, that's the thing as well. They, they say they need all this rest, but I'm sure they'll be going on a warm weather training camp and fly in for a few hours and all the rest of it. It's just... Yeah, the the... The whole thing just getting incredibly arrogant now, and I, sadly, I think the FA are probably going to cave into it, and the FA Cup's just going to become kind of bit of a lost, lost tradition. Really, yeah. it's been it's been belittled now, and I also think the fact that the fifth round there are no replays in the fifth round, which was news to me until last night. Just it's just a weird set of rules, and like you said, I think they're just going to end up caving, and. You know, I think if both clubs come to a consensus, like on Saturday, if Steve Bruce and KR went up to each other and said, "Do you just want to do extra time and pens now?" You've already got three and a half hours. You know, we probably you probably said yes, yeah. And then I think everyone would have been happy with that. And I think if both clubs agree, then you know, yeah, so do it. They in in the FA Trophy, so they're like the non-league version. Prior to the first game the two clubs agree whether it'll be settled on the day or go to a replay and that happens every round yeah. they decide it say on the Wednesday and it's you know you, you, yeah it can be done on the day I think that's a really good idea to be honest but, but surely yeah. surely as well though that the counter on that is the point that KR maybe alluded to after the game where he's talking about the replays was the chairmen of the clubs are going to be well hang on a minute replay gets us cash you're thinking probably headfirst with players and results. Um, but I think the just almost elitism of the lack of acknowledgement of what replays mean to smaller clubs. Like I remember reading earlier in the season, they were saying, we haven't budgeted, Oxford haven't budgeted for any any sort of particular run in the Cups, but we've now done well in, in both. 
and this can make a massive difference to our season. And that's the same cliche for every single club. But for the Guardiola's and the Klops of the world, just to be like, well, yeah, what's 135 grand to a League Two team? Well, quite a lot. And Sam Ricketts was talking about buying equipment that they couldn't do and stuff like that after yeah. Shrewsbury's game. So I think it's just it's a real sort of it's just going to split opinion literally based yeah. on where your club is. I thought their pitch invasion was a bit much so, at Shrewsbury, by the way. Playing a yeah. second or third tier Liverpool side at home. I think our result, if we'd have beaten Newcastle, would have been better. We'd have had to have jumped down from the leases yeah. uh, to get on the pitch. Yeah. We could have uh, glided yeah. down to the pitch. <laughs> a nice shallow angle from the top yeah. of uh, up there. But but anyway, I thought that was worth of uh, worth sliding a, a rant in. I think we're all on the same page on that one. Uh, other other news. Um, so since with the last pod, we've had Jim Smith's funeral, which was very well attended by some Oxford legends, such as Ron Atkinson, Steve McLaren, and some other people such as Harry Redknapp, Harry Wilkinson. There was more tributes during the game at Newcastle, and he had he had a spell not from Newcastle per se, but he did have a spell managing there. So hopefully that was picked up by the Newcastle fans. Uh, John Shuker's funeral was also uh, the week before last, really well attended, and there was a the club also announced that Mick Vinter, who was had died uh, age 30, 65, sorry. And he's not a player that I, to be honest, would confess had, had heard of before, so I was keen to read up about him, but he was quite a quite a handy striker back in 82, 83 and 84. Um, he scored 27 goals in 93 games for us, which is not a bad return at all. And he was in the Division Three winning side in 83, 84. So uh, one that, again, I think it's really good that the club's highlighting these as perhaps a less of a high-profile player. Um, yeah. So that was that was nice to see the club talking about that, and I'm sadly I'm sure we'll see more of these in in recent weeks. But I think it's important just to to mark all of those passings. Um, yeah, for sure. Other well, I think we just wanted to talk about this next news item because it was so bizarre. But this is about probably about a week and a half old, or maybe two weeks. But it was in reference to Zaki tweeting about speculation regarding the stadium, and that instantly set off everyone thinking, "What on earth is he on about? What are the rumours?" <laughs> And just, I mean, just yeah. clarify. Neither of you have any idea what this referred to. This was just a tweet from him saying, "Don't, don't believe the rumours you've heard. We are progressing the stadium. Everything's fine." And I, we were all like, instantly, "What's happened?" And yeah, I had no idea what he was on about. And that, we have our WhatsApp group with however many, you know, thirty odd people in there, and there was not one person that knew what he was referring to. I don't know, Jack. Was it something on the forum or something? No, well, that literally the the thread on Yellow's forum about kind of stadium news, there was you know five or six people saying, "What's he talking about? Have I missed something? There's <laughs> been something on Radio Oxford. There's nothing on Twitter." Um, yeah, it's I wonder. Nice. I, it's almost like he he thought something had got out and sought to kind of quash it, but there wasn't anything. It was very strange. My mind went to this visual of like Zaki at the petrol station and somebody shouting to him. Good news on Walt Reed and Zaki, <laughs> and him going, "Oh my God, <laughs> it's got out or something like he half knew about." And he was like rushed to go, "No, no, I've got to calm this down." And I doubt that actually happened. I can't imagine Zaki goes to the petrol station for whatever reason. I imagine he has a limit. <laughs> but um, it's just anyway, I just thought it was worth having a chuckle about. Really, that one. Um, should we cross over to the transfer centre and I think so. Talk about outgoings we've only got four more days to come up with a jingle for this so i don't think it's really bottle it bottle it copyright get it done get it get it written so first my i don't think i don't feel like my employer would like it if i covered um a jingle from them i might get fired so 
Right, well, we can always edit that. <laughs> we can always edit that bit out of it. Um, well, there we go. Uh, right, outgoings then. Now, this was one which I think threw us all quite comfortably with Rob Hall. Not the fact he signed on loan at F Forest Green Rovers, which I think is perfectly quite a reasonable move for him, actually. But the fact he signed a contract extension for another season at the club, that was seemed, it was the contract bit that threw me. Was others think the mm. same? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, the more I think about it, the more there has to have been some clause in there, something along the lines of make the first team squad 20 times and we'll give you another year or something. Because I think I said on the WhatsApp group, if you flip it the other way, if we just signed him following, what, 10 appearances for us this season and the whole season out injured, we'd be wondering why so equally giving him a new deal off the back of very little just seems weird. Yeah, I, I thought the only other thing it could be is that if he does his, you know, his contract's up at the end in the summer, isn't it? So if he had a storming um, period at Forest Green Rovers, are they still pushing near the top of the league? I know they were doing well. Seven, seventh, eighth. So not, seventh, not eighth, so yeah. Magic, but they they seem like a decent team for him to be going to. Yeah, so if he challenges, gets in the team, does really well there, we could be commanding some kind of fee at the end of the season. Um, I just felt like it was more like, yeah, it's probably more likely what Jack said about there being a clause, but there is something potentially in that, that we extended a, a contract that might be on reasonable terms for us and it was worth the risk of doing that, assuming we might be able to get a fee at the end of the year. I think we put a poll out, didn't we, that was saying, will Rob will Rob Hall play for Oxford again? And I think no, just one out. I'm not sure. I didn't go back and check. Yeah, I but, think it um, did. I think it's yeah. it's fair enough. I mean, I think it goes by goes by default that Rob Hall's a hero and has had some absolutely brilliant moments for us, and has still got parts of his game that have got value. I think his feet and agility and can get a shot for still there. But I think we've seen him many different games. The other parts of his game are a bit up and down, um, so it makes sense for yeah. Gart on loan. I'm not sure what value you would get for him given his injury history and, and age, even if he did have a storming season. But he'd only be on a well, having like nine months of his contract, but but anyway, I yeah. think I think it was a, it was the one where was, everyone was like, "Well, we wish him he does really really well, and if he does come back and play and he's flying, then great." But I think it, the chances of it are are pretty slim. But mm-hmm. but there we are. Um, other outgoings: Rob Atkinson's gone back to Eastleigh, which is fair enough in a way. Interesting though that he he's clearly not going to be an option for left back cover, so that leaves that issue, which will. We'll get on to Dan Adji going out on loan is still up in the air. KR's talked about how his performance at Gillingham was quite good. He did come on late against Newcastle and he seems to be one that's on the cusp. And I think as we'll get to later when we talk about strikers, we may we may need him. So that was outgoings. Incomings, another alarm bell in the middle of a Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon or when it, whenever it was that had us all guessing was uh, George Thorne signing to the end of the season on a low salary and um, potentially a very good player. But again, how do people feel about that one? It wasn't perhaps one we were expecting. Yeah, I was surprised because it had gone quiet at the kind of derby end. The indication was that they might just let him see out his deal. But I suppose uh, Robinson talked so highly of him and did mention about trying to renew the loan. Um, I suppose it's almost a bit of a long-term trial for him. Get fit, play some games, revisit it in the summer. And if he's on a low salary, then everyone's a winner really I didn't see that he was kind of match fit 
which he which he is you know as we signed him i just assumed he was still you know in recovery ultimately but what one thing i did notice is when we did sign him i looked at the derby tweet um you know announcing that he was moving to us and a lot of their fans had nothing but you know there was a lot of crying gifs or gifs whatever you want to say um <laughs> and a lot of people um putting clips in of some of the belter he definitely got a couple of belters for them and um yeah there was nothing but kind of positive words it wasn't like when we signed um oh god it's, what's uh, archer i forgot his name jordan archer keeper yeah, yeah. I nearly yeah, forgot already. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't, you know, the Millwall fans, when we signed him, it was completely the opposite of that. So that they were kind of um, a bit sad that he'd left them. So, I mean, you just got to hope. We know he's made of glass and we just need to hope that that glass stays together for the next five months or so. Yeah, I'm secretly quite quite um, excited about this one because I think I agree with what both said. I think KR's done it because of his pedigree and building that link with him and thinking, well, if we do get him going, he probably will sign on again. Because he's George Thorne's talked about how he fell out of love with the game a bit and probably is willing just to sort of stay somewhere that, that fits him. So I think he's a player that's clearly got quality and we're going to go through a spell of games. February is a good example where we're just going to need, we may just need one bit of quality. He's a physical big guy as well. We don't have a lot of that in our in our team. And Brannigan, who knows? So I think it's a, it's a good move. To me, it I was well, just going to say, the only thing that's interesting is where, like, Liam Kelly hasn't really had any minutes yet. And we've just got Ford there. And I was expecting when we signed Kelly that he was going to just slot in somewhere. Um, the window's nearly over. No one's left. It feels, it, you've got to, I still assume something is still in the pipeline that we're expecting. There's a, a deal. Someone's going to leave, I still think, a midfielder by the end of the window. I hope not. Um but I just think that it's so busy in there at the moment that, um, yeah, it seems odd. I want Kelly to get some minutes, but Ford needs minutes. How's that all going to work? Well, we know Gorin's going to get a suspension <laughs> sooner rather than later, yeah. at least. But Hansen's got to go out on loan. I know he came on briefly at Newcastle. But, um, but yeah, but KR's, you know, KR's talked about we've not had any bids for the top players. I don't think that changed after the Newcastle game. But we do seem to have quite a... Well, a reasonably big squad. But then I guess we're about to play 700 games, as you pointed out. So <laughs> if the wage bill allows it, then maybe. But yeah, you, you've got to fear something like that. It is far too quiet. Um, far, far too quiet. Well, then moving into that space, I think, and it's, it's the, I've, I've labelled this the right-back section because <laughs> it's becoming really quite um, a pressing need to it per se. I mean, KR before the games explicitly said the right-back's what we need. Mentioned Hansen forward as possible right-back cover. The permanent signing we know is not going to happen. That was talked about before. The lone player, that premiership club, now wants to keep him. So that's that's off. I think we think one of those deals was O'Donnell from Kilmarnock that we talked about. Um, the other right-back we were linked with, which I think none of us were particularly that wild about, Leo Connor's gone to Partick Thistle. So should we be concerned? We have got days left. Has 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 it affected the way we've played not having Cadden? I mean, or is Sam Long has he played his way into being a good first choice? What do you reckon, Jack? I think Sam Long is showing his worth as a solid defender. Obviously, it does. It's kind. We've kind of now got the reverse of what we had when we had Baldock and Scars. We had a defensively yeah. solid left back and an attacking right back. And I'm. I mean, I'm probably being a bit 
kind to Josh Russell's Russell's Josh Ruffles, <laughs> but he he does seem to be the more attacking of the two. Although Long did have that one run at the weekend that was quite impressive. Um, but on fullbacks, I'm probably more concerned about left back because KR said about oh Hansen can play there. Ford has kind of been moulded into cover. Have we got anyone else who can play left back at all? I think have anyone else with a left foot. Yeah, well, wasn't it um, <laughs> Rob Atkinson that we could recall him from Eastleigh and he could probably play there? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, true. But uh, yeah, it's. So if there was talk that we can recall him, well, recall him again. I suppose we probably can. But yeah, no, I, I agree. It's um, I think Long's, I think Long could play out the season there, and it, it just becomes about do we need more of a brutal attacking option from right back in the system that KR likes to play, which is yeah. the fullbacks pushing on, being part of the attacking play to get promoted. And that's not knocking Sam Long whatsoever. He's, I think he's stepped up in particularly the last few games to exactly to epitomise exactly what we said, Jack. But you think if there's there must be a lone player out there who offers a little bit different at right back. Just to get just even as a squad thing to get us through so many seven hundred games that I keep referencing as we've got over the next few days. Just think and we've said it in previous pods that the balance of the team is probably we you know, as you kinda of said there, it's been a thing before, but it you definitely notice it now. Um it's weird though, coming off the back of I thought Sam Long was probably one of our one of you know Yeah. He could have been man of the match for us, I thought, on Saturday. So I was kind of primed and ready to start digging him a little bit. But like Jack says, he is a, he's a good defender and he does his, that job really, really well. And that's what, you know, the main thing you've got to ask for, of him. Um, the switch is not on anymore, though. No. Like in previous yeah. games, it was always like you'd always see Cadden 60% way up the pitch and the switch was always on to him. And the overlap and, as well. And the overlap. Yeah. And again, it's not knocking Sam Long, but it's it's not there. And if KR wants one fullback crossing to the other one coming at the back post, then they need to be certain way minded or else the system for needs to adapt or needs to be tweaked yeah it means all of your width needs to come from the wingers which you might say is a standard thing but KR made a point before of saying that when you've got the marauding fullbacks getting up the pitch then actually the three up top can go narrower and it means you can flood the box get crosses in from Cadden there's actually people there even with Ruffles then storming in at the back post when Cadden was crossing it that happened a few times didn't it so Mm. um yeah, I just think we're we're missing an element to our game now, and we talked right at the beginning of the season about the plan B, um, and I, yeah, you just worry about the the ability to kind of mix up the shape um, without kind of a an attacking option or a, an attacking right back. I wonder if that Premier League um, right back was the Celtic, uh, sorry Celtic, the Liverpool um, lad. What was his name? Nico Williams, because. This FA Cup situation with them might be the reason why he might not be coming, but who knows? Yeah, we've certainly drawn dots with Liverpool in the past, but I think there must be there'll be there must be some frantic activity in the next few days, or else, well, we're, we're sort of we're gambling a bit really with with squad cover, and we've had long enough. And to be fair, as KR, he was on it three you know three or four weeks ago talking about the deals, they just haven't gone over the line for whatever reason. But but there we are. Um, I think moving on to the, it seems to have gone into new sections in the transfer <laughs> centre for some reason today, but a quick where are they now section. So Jordan Archer is now signed for Fulham. And I'm not sure who put this into it. I think it was just so I struggled to pronounce it, but um, Zamori. Yeah, it was. <laughs> has, uh, has signed for NK Inter Zapresic, 
who are a Croatian team, currently eighth, and Luka Modric famously once had a loan spell there. So wow, who who knows whether that's a step up, up, down, or leftwards? But um, there there we are. I quite like a cheeky "Where are they now?" Um, <laughs> section. So um, I think we'll keep this as a as a feature. Um, moving to squad news, there isn't too much to report on really. Um, Ford's making progress. I think Brannigan, Henry, Taylor. They're all in the basket of should be there or thereabouts for Blackpool. Is that? I think that's about right. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Henry's seems to have been probably gone the quietest out of all of them, but certainly I'd expect to see Taylor ready for Blackpool. So I think that's where we are on the news in the transfer centre this week. Right. Happy days. On to Newcastle. So, how we're... Um, Fifty-two over fifty-two thousand in attendance, with how many of us? Three thousand seven hundred and ten Oxford fans making it. Ultimately, the biggest crowd that we played in front of outside of Wembley games ever. I think the previous one was just over fifty thousand at Man United away. Someone was saying, John, maybe you was it? Did we lost three nil or something? Not sure on that one. I don't know. But we'll, we'll take it. Maybe it was a dream, and you came to me in the dream <laughs> and told me that. But I felt like someone did. Um, it's, that's a whole different pod or, or yeah. psychologist session we need to have so worrying moving on anyway only the sixth time that we've played um, with an attendance above 40,000 and the first time in 30 years so there you go um, Newcastle came into the game on the back of a 1-0 home victory with Chelsea which I went to so it was a weird kind of double weekend thing for me of going there my missus was delighted Um but then, yeah, they had a late, late show away at Everton. They were 2 0 down. Um, yeah, as so the clock hit 93 minutes and then ended up drawing 2 all. Um, and since that game, they signed Ben Taleb, who used to play for Spurs, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I had him on my fantasy team at one point. He seemed okay. Um, but they've got him in on loan from Schalke. I thought, um, I put this note in just to remind me to say it, but I thought the BBC Oxford preview um, from a hotel foyer, I think was absolutely fantastic and it got me ridiculously excited to the point where I was struggling to sleep on um, the Friday night. Did you guys listen to that? John, did you hear that? Yeah, I did. And it was actually the point where I started to get really excited about the game as well. Not quite in the uh, in the couldn't sleep. I just particularly found it amusing in the um, session how Jerome kept wanting to say travel lodge. <laughs> but or you could tell he wanted to say travel lodge but kept having to cover himself by saying a leading hotel venue in the city centre. <laughs> it was like we all know you're at the travel lodge. Just say travel lodge. Yeah. Um, he's but then just to sort of he's above a travel yeah. lodge, Jerome. Surely you'd have thought so. Like you'd have thought so. But um, no, it was just a really good like all round build up. And you could just sense the the sort of build up in the air. And so yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Um, so the build up to the game in terms of our team suggested that maybe Brannigan and Henry could be available, and we were thinking maybe this will be one of Kr's kind of bombs that he drops where he just chucks someone that's been in, you know, is meant to be out for seven months just into the starting lineup. Um, <laughs> we thought they might be available, but Taylor was always going to be unlikely to make it. Um, yeah, expectation amongst the Oxford fans was that Liam Kelly or Dan Adji might start following um, playing 90 minutes in a kind of behind closed doors friendly against Southend and Adji scored in that. And uh, yeah. So in terms of what actually happened, um, Moore came in for Messino, which I was surprised at. Brown um, came in for Holland, which was less of a surprise, but George Fawn made the bench. Jack, were you hoping for anything else with the lineup? Uh, uh, there was the whole Mackie debate going in as well. 
Yeah, well, that was going to be my point. I was hoping that Mackie uh, wasn't going to start, but um, yeah, I, I was surprised Moore started, but he had a very good game. So I don't know whether we're saving Moose's legs for these 700 games we've got coming up. Um, and I suppose actually we had quite a lot of options off the bench, which is quite nice to have. Yeah. John, what did you think? Yeah, I, th- I thought similar. In my own sort of little fancy lineup, I put Adji in thinking that we may have a bit of space. As we'll get to on, on Mackie, it's a case of you've got three flying wingers and you need to make sure you've got someone who can just be in the mix. And some of Mac- Mackie's tactics may not be as effective against uh, some of the Newcastle centre-halves. So, uh, I mean, if the other the one, if Thorne had been sort of properly match fit, I played a few games, I would have put him in, but... Yeah, I know it was made sense. I think what was there, yeah. fundamentally. So Newcastle were pretty much at full strength, um, but they had a few injuries coming into the game, which was well documented. But do you know where John Joe? I've just thought this. Do you know where John Joe Shelby is? Was he on the bench? Did he come on? I was. I had a few beers. I don't remember, but I, I thought he was going to be playing. No, I think um, he definitely wasn't on the bench. So he might still yeah. be in uh, Curtis Nelson or Trey Dunkley's pocket from when we beat them before. <laughs> nice um, I noticed their front line so Sam Maximan uh, Joel Linton or Joe Linton as we like to put down um, and then Almiron combined what is that like 60 nearly 80 million quids worth of crap um, talent if you want to call it <laughs> yeah ta- crap <laughs> I mean Almiron's had a decent season Joel Linton Rafa never wanted and then he, they just signed him anyway and Sam Maximam is the best and worst player I've seen this season, I think. Um, anyway, the game started. It was kind of standoffish early on. I think we were kind of waiting for them to kind of take the game to us and they didn't ever really look that comfortable on the ball. Um, so possession seemed to be reasonably balanced over the course of the game and especially in that first half. Um, Sam Maximam and Almiron did show a bit of intent when they got the ball in terms of kind of going forward and actually running. Uh, otherwise, there was a lot of kind of wayward passing by Newcastle. Um, our first chance was Ruffles basically whipping it in with Mackie not quite getting there. And then the first thing of note that we, we noted, noted down was an incident where Joel Linton went over after Ruffles kind of backed away from a challenge. He dived. It went to VAR. Um, I wasn't ever worried at any point in time, even though I didn't have my glasses and I literally could see nothing. Um, <laughs> Jack, were you worried about this at all? Why wasn't he booked? No. Uh, I don't know. Apparently VAR doesn't advise a referee on whether to say it was a dive. It'll just say no penalty. But, um, I mean, we were on the moon practically and everyone could yeah. tell it was a dive. I would have been extremely annoyed though if they'd have scored from the following cross because obviously... If the ref thinks it's a dive, he stops the game and gives a free kick. So the fact that he didn't give the dive or the pen and they'd have then scored from a blatant dive, being involved yeah. in the movement would have been an interesting uh, issue. But no. sort of yeah, I was never worried. In a weird way. Like, so yeah, it looked like a, it took far too long actually for it to be sort of chalked off, but it's a different subject. Yeah. Um, Sam Long had a decent kind of half-volleyed effort that went just over. Um, Marcus Brown got into a couple of kind of good positions on the right wing there was one especially where we countered he had a load of space and Mackie was in acres on the far side so it was when Brown was running down the right so this is still first half 
from again it's hard to see kind of from where we are at but obviously this didn't make the highlights so i haven't managed to see this back in any form but it looked like he, if, if brown had got his head up and managed to kind of make an attempt to get it towards mackie we had a really good shout for a goal john do you remember that yeah and the other one that, that sprang to mind as well was he, he broke through quite central and just sort of got with the inside goal and just had a had a shot and it just sort yeah. of went painfully Dragged. wide and it was one of those where it was like you've just got close to goal panics and thought you'll get a shot off when there was probably another 10 yards you could have moved forward as simple stuff like that so it, it was a bit um i think it was just a bit of a panicked reaction yeah but, i think we saw the best and worst of marcus brown in that yeah. game because i mean the number of times i was shouting at him to get his head up is why middlesbrough were quite happy loaning him out cuz his end product is five out of ten and it five out of time five times it'll be good five times it'll be bad if it was any better than that he'd be a regular in the championship yeah. um that, 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 he's yeah he's very he's so frustrating to watch that's why i'm not a massive fan of him playing in that number 10 or central role i'd be happy to have him out on the wing and then it's going to be good bad and indifferent but in that position you really need to be making much better decisions because it's quite it's obviously a much yeah. more integral position. Yeah. I I don't yeah, I, that whole kind of egotistical thing with him. I was hoping he'd kind of got over a bit. But I, I yeah, he does see it does still seem to be it's about him and as as an individual. I don't, you know, you can look into that too much, I guess, but it it didn't seem like his first thought was what's the right decision to make here. It was I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to get a goal. Um yeah, ultimately, that's that's what people are going to be looking at when unless Middlesbrough are probably sending stat scouts to games like that, aren't they? Especially it being so local, but we'll have to see. Um, in terms of the first half, in summary, though, kind of held our shape well. Neither keeper were really neither keeper was really that troubled in terms of any you know consistent pressure being applied to them. And um, we've heard what Jack thought a bit in a bit more detail about Mackie, but John. Did you feel like we were ever going to cause them too many problems with Mackey in that kind of role? I know you mentioned he was kind of there to fill the gap. <laughs> Maybe I'm paraphrasing a bit, <laughs> but that is how it kind of felt to me. It was that he's on the pitch to kind of cause a bit, you know, ruffle a few feathers and whatever, but isn't it, he's never going to be a danger. No, and we weren't playing into his strengths per se, and we were still playing kind of through the wingers as the main attacking outlet. And he was uh, he was always kind of half in between. But then when we broke, he was probably slightly behind play. Um, you know, got in the right positions and got around to a to a reasonable degree. And was would have helped. He's quite he's good at dragging players kind of out of position. But then yeah. it, I didn't I didn't feel like he was sort of imposing himself and just seemed to be slightly out of the flow constantly. Mm. But he can be sort of. Some situations he really works, and others he, he, he doesn't. And I think this was probably the latter in the first half. Definitely. Yeah, he has had brilliant games. Like Wimbledon was one that you yeah. should definitely know. It's just maybe when when this game was always going to be a counter based. You know, if we were going to win, it was going to be from a counter attack, probably. Exactly. Yeah. And um, you probably just play with a false nine with Marcus Brown in there if you're going to do anything and have Holland and Fossey mm. the other sides. But um, we are not football managers, so. <laughs> it's- who knows? Um, second half started. Um, Jolinton got the ball into the back of the net, but it was absolutely offside. Didn't that happen a couple of times? There was definitely were there two disallowed goals, or was there one? There was two, two for him. Yeah, yeah. There was um, 
that was his more closer offside goal. Well, there was one where Sir Maximan, um, who we haven't actually met, we should mention him a bit more. He was just incredible in terms of, he managed to pick the ball up in that first half, take you kind of lose it, pick it back up, take it past four or five of our players, get a decent shot off and look kind of unplayable. And then there were other times where the ball came to him at like three, you know, three miles an hour and he just couldn't control it and it went out. And then he just, his, his distribution... He bollocked somebody else. Yeah, bollocking other people. <laughs> he was such a bizarre player to watch, but he, he, you can see people compared him to Traore at um, Wolves in his first kind of year with them, um, just a bit raw and similar style in terms of how they play, maybe a bit less kind of raw power, but um, he looks like an exciting prospect. He's only 22 or 23, I think. Um, so he'll be... After, after the game, he posted a message responding to a fan, basically saying, that wasn't... That was one of my worst games. I'll do better. I'll get in better shape. And I thought he was... Yeah, well, that's good. Well, slightly harsh on himself. Yeah. Given there wasn't much else being... No one else was making much of, a, of an effort yeah. from the Newcastle. At least he had a go. But yeah, anyway, he should have played Joel Linton through because our centre-backs were way too distant from him. Uh, he made a good run and then all Sam Maxman had to do was lay him in and he laid it too late and then Jolinton was offside and you saw him scream back at, jo- at Sam Maxman in rage. Um, Long did really well, Sam Long. We, you referenced it earlier, Jack, but kind of broke from really deep and just kept going for a period of time, put it through to Sykes to then try and cross the ball in. But again, I felt Sam Long had had a really good game. Um, Fosu was played through shortly after that as well and it, this was one of the counters where it, similar I don't know it wasn't like Gillingham because there was a load of players in the box at that time this time Fosu just had like a man to beat and you either you could have got a shot off ultimately cut back and then got the ball stuck under his feet and it was cleared and we, it felt like we did that a few times Brown was guilty of it two or three times then Fosu did the same but do you remember that one Jack? Yeah, I I was just screaming at him just to gamble, put your foot through it. It might end up in the stand, it might force the keeper into a save, but by just kind of ending up getting the ball caught under your feet, he just eliminated all options um, that were open to him. So it was, yeah, he's weird because I was saying to someone at half-time, they were saying, oh, it looks like he's lost confidence, which I'd agree with up until the Gillingham game when he scored his kind of trademark goal, but... He, yeah, he just looks unsure when he's got the ball like kind of in a good position as to what he's going to do. Whereas at the start of the season, he wasn't having to think about it. Yeah. Back to that Lincoln game, he just kicked uh, kicked the ball and everything went yeah. in. It, it is interesting. Yeah, I think his greatest strength is get, you know kind of gliding around with the ball and also taking it around people in really short spaces. And he's had to do that against two players when they're doubling up on him. So I was surprised he didn't manage to wiggle himself away but there you go um we then had a chance with Marcus Brown um steaming through the middle played in by Gorin great kind of first touch to take the ball away from the defense but he had two defenders kind of closing him down he kind of was a bit off balance the ball kind of bounced up slightly before he he was due to kick it um but I I've watched this back a few times and I think if you put Marcus Brown in that chance 10 times I think he scores at least half of them so John, it was it was a it was a close one, and watching it back a bit frustrating. Yeah, I've gone back and forward on whether that is a a top player finishes that, or whether it's actually quite a difficult chance. And I think I'm kind of with you that I think half the time I think it is a really really hard chance, 
given his first touch was was superb. But then, interestingly, you had KR's comment after the game, sort of, oh, he's useless at finishing, which I think was tongue in cheek. I don't, I don't think it was calling him out on calling him out on it per se. Yeah. But equally, all a lot of the write ups have all been around. And maybe this is because there wasn't enough going on in the game, but they've all actually singled that moment out as his big chance. And he's talked about what if that had gone in as if he felt it was mm. quite scoreable. So I think based on that, I kind of leaned to maybe he should have finished it, but I thought it looked difficult. So I wasn't too frustrated that he didn't score it. Yeah. Great if he had, obviously. We also had that um, Nathan Holland chance. We had two great chances in injury time, didn't we? Holland... I forget which one the first one was now. Was it one of the brown ones? But I know Holland. Holland's chance was definitely an injury time. Cuts cuts in from the right-hand side on his left foot. I think the defender thought he was going to carry on running down the line. Um, either side of the key, he got a great connection with it. Um, either side of the keeper, that's, that's probably a goal as well. Um, I think the keeper did well to kind of position himself outside to cut the angle back. But um, that was a shame. What a moment that would have been for him and us. And I wonder how many Oxford fans would have collapsed off the stand as we <laughs> referred to earlier. into that went to the one tier beneath yeah <laughs> um jack did you enjoy the kind of textbook orange cards from goran and sykes every time there were two times when newcastle broke um and we just went to just boot them over so they couldn't couldn't carry on with the counter almiron was definitely crunched by one of them at one it point w- in time it was brilliant because it's a classic foul that if it's against your man you're abs- absolutely fuming but there's something quite almost poetic about seeing your own player grab someone by the scruff of the neck to pull them back and blatantly stop them getting away. And the fact we did it twice and Baptiste also got booked for a similar kind of attempted one. Um, oh, it was just brilliant. Yeah. Um, so in general, I felt when that final whistle went, um, I don't think any of us really contemplated a replay or a draw or a nil-nil. So it was quite a strange feeling, especially after the performance and how even the game was, because I saw a bit of back and forth between Oxford and Newcastle fans on social media. But whilst they had a bit more possession and the stats suggested they had more shots and stuff, we had the better, I felt like we had the better chances. We were in their box in more promising positions more often and just didn't make the right decision. But John, do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I was torn between enjoyed the day and everything to being slightly deflated and in some ways I, I wouldn't I'm this isn't I'm not criticizing the team but in some ways it felt like we should if we'd gone for it a little bit more we might have exposed ourselves and been picked off is, is the counter argument but if we'd gone for it a little bit more I think we might have we might have nicked it so yeah. I wasn't you know overly deflated but there was there was a bit where like they definitely looked like a team that was set up to nick wins and not dominate possession and Weirdly, we probably thought if we'd had a bit longer, um, not a bit longer, had a bit more confidence, we could have um, probably played on that. So, yeah. yeah, it was a bit up and down. Jack, what was your post-match feeling? Um, similar, really. Kind of frustrated because we had those two late chances, which I think, in my opinion, were the best chances of the game. Um, you did kind of come away thinking, what if? Um which is quite good, I suppose, considering we've just been away to a Premier League side. But um, yeah, I wasn't as happy with kind of a replay as I was because it finished like that. If they'd have missed those chances, I'd have been delighted with a replay. Um, so you have to flip it the other way and say, yeah, a bit frustrating. 
Yeah, I don't think Steve Bruce wanted a replay. He got very upset about the winter break. Poor Steve. Fuming red-faced um, Steve Bruce. The other bit of, of nice kind of social media reaction involved um, a tweet from... What's Laura? It's Laura Sanders, isn't it? She had a nice uh, tweet with her um, meat and olives and uh, various delicacies uh, that went viral, you might say. Um, just a bit of a laugh, isn't it? There's, some of the comments were just unbelievable. And then I, I saw like a few women on there um, re- responding back, being like, sorry, sorry, lads, <laughs> get the calling out. Like, it was good. It was good fun. But yeah, we're all gin drinking wankers i think is is what the rest of the footballing world thinks now but that's fine um okay right we've got two other games i reckon we do these games nice and quick we're moving on to the league league one games now but this will be a we're not going to go into too much detail but here we go Right, so back to League One. So we played Ipswich what feels like a million years ago. But um, we, yeah, we won't do a detailed review for this because, you know, we've, we've moved on. But they came into the game off the back of a good 4-1 home win against Accrington, um, who were on a good run themselves. But before that, Ipswich, their form was horrendous. They hadn't won in eight. So not really sure what to expect on this one. But um, yeah, really decent looking team. Gorin holding, Baptiste Brown, Holland, Fossu and Taylor there. Brown probably being the surprise there, kind of in the midfield three. Um, Connor called the team actually, and he was very, very proud. Um, said he was the resident KR. Um, but Brown had a really early chance running from deep, drew a good save. Ruffle second half had a good chance. Um, another save from the keeper. The pitch was obviously absolutely horrendous. Didn't help our game whatsoever. Fair play to the ref for letting the game um, carrying, you know, carry on and good common sense applied all, all around from both both sets of players. Bit of banter from the Ipswich fans at the time. Uh, Moose, one of the, you know, the main talking point really after the game was the red cards and then potential penalty for Ipswich when Moose brought down their striker. It, looked, it did look like a foul at the time, but the replays kind of suggested that maybe the contact started outside the box, but... Who knows, John, I guess, reaction. So considering the weather and the fact that we got away with what looked like a blatant pen, are we happy with that result? Would you have taken that at the beginning of the season if we said a draw with Ipswich at home? I think overall it's a good point. You know, it's against the team that are up there as well. I think there's a point during this season where we need to start being like, well, actually to do something overall, we need to win games like that. But I I listened to bits of it and I had a friend there and he talked about how take the weather out of it, we were out-muscled a bit in midfield. Some of our crossing was pretty poor. We seemed a bit up and down, and that could, again, could be the weather. Just generally struggling to convert decent positions into something more threatening. So I think it's a point you'd absolutely got to take, and then the weather just changes the whole thing, absolutely. So, yeah, it's a good point, especially after stabilising after Rotherham as well. Okay. Um, We then played Gillingham. So, again, feels like a while ago. I didn't manage to um, keep up to tabs with this game when it was going on. I think it's the first time this season I haven't managed to either watch or listen or be there. Um, but yeah, we beat Gillingham 3-0 at home in the reverse fixture. They were unbeaten in seven coming into the game. They beat Sunderland in that run. Um, their most common result of the season was one all, so you could have maybe predicted this one. I'm starting to take more note of that footy stats you, website. You do love your common result yeah, generator. It's interesting. It's nice. Seems to be on the money, like. Yeah. 
Um, Who needs predictions? It is. It does seem to be bang on a lot of the time. Every time I look at mm. it, it's the most common result is the seem to be the one that we always get against teams. But anyway, we made two changes from the side that played Ipswich. So Sykes came in for Brown. Mackey was in for the for Matty Taylor, who was injured. Um, and Hansen came in on the bench, who'd kind of been absent for obviously a, a while with injury. Um, and Dan Adji was back on the bench as well. Um, John, the goal from Fosu, you know, he maybe hasn't his body language hasn't been great in recent weeks and he had he's had a bit of a lull but we've chaos persisted with him in the team and with pressure coming in with you know brown and holland um there and sykes kind of picking up his form he, he really needed this goal didn't he and what a goal it was yeah i think every, everyone needed fossey to score a, a goal like that and it was it was classic and Steve Evans, by all accounts, was annoyed that yeah. they discussed preventing him doing that. Well, it's one of those things where you can't defend that because it is such a good point. He's he's so good on his feet and just going straight in. So really, really good finish. And he's always getting into those positions. He's always there every game, just hasn't looked to be able to to convert in recent times. So, yeah, really, really key. And um, who knows whether it's the other signings um, putting him under pressure, but... I think it's important. It was really important for so many different reasons that he scored that. Yeah. Gillingham obviously got a penalty. I don't think any of us have got any complaints about that. Gorin was over eager and kind of just making the challenge. KR mentioned after the game that he needs to learn that he can't play how he does in all areas of the pitch. Um, Adji ended up coming on for Mackey straight after their goal. And obviously reports from the game and looking at some of the extended highlights um, suggested he did really well. I don't know, John, if you, you caught that as well. Yeah, I've seen, I, I did hit chunks of it and I, I've seen what you refer to in the highlights as well. And he looks lively. And I've always thought, and it's the same thing with Newcastle, that Adji might not be the finished product yet, but he is quick and he is fast and fitting into our system. You'd think a striker with a decent turn of pace, as Taylor does to a, to a degree, yeah. is important. And the Mackey thing, there's always this, you've touched on it as well, is is there a degree of feeling that Mackey needs to play when Taylor's not fit? But equally, actually, should we be throwing in a, a striker who's probably not as accomplished, but is just going to do the basics of just being very direct and very quick? So I, I think he needs to I think he needs to start in games because he'll tie a centre-halves out. Yeah. Mackey is a, diff- a different dynamic to it, but I think he needs to be playing. And if it doesn't work, hook him and bring Mackey on for 30 minutes against slightly more tired players. Yeah. I think it's... Right. The difference is, isn't it? You're playing on the lines as well. Like you can have Dan Aji like playing, running off the the kind of defenders ultimately, and you've got a level of confidence. These he's, he's got a chance of getting the ball, which gives you another option. Um, yeah. With Mackey, very different problem. He'll whip his finger out or whatever he wants to do and <laughs> cause the defenders a, a lot of stress. But um, yeah, it's just it's just a different dynamic to the team, and when we've got so many young. Uh, yeah, again, dynamic players um, potentially surrounding him. I think Adji would, would probably fit in pretty well. Um, so we had a couple more chances second half. Um, smart, really smart looking counter-attack from us. Dickie kind of played the ball into Nathan Holland who kind of turned beautifully on the halfway line um, and eventually the ball found its way back to him around the penalty spot via Baptiste and Fossu, but he couldn't quite get the shot away fast enough. Took a touch when he could have hit it maybe first time deflected over it looked like it was heading towards kind of hit to hitting the keeper anyhow but heads and hands moment from the rest of his squad mates and a really good chance 
Um, Ruffles also hit the bar from a corner late on and then nearly had a complete replica of that moment um, right near the end of the game again where they didn't pick him up. But, you know, it looked like a draw was probably a fair result. I think um, Steve Evans after the game was saying if you consider the game as a whole, he'll wake up in the morning. And uh, that's a horrible image for anyone, by the way. Um, but he'll be <laughs> thinking that a point shared is probably a deserved one for, for both teams. So I think a reasonable point, the, the, I guess, the shame for us is that it, we haven't won. We haven't had that win for a while now, isn't it? Yeah, but I was thinking that if you think about most of the teams around us have just had pretty big wobbles, mm. relatively speaking, and we've well, basically not one in three games of which we've drawn a point against a team who were top of the form table. Seemed to play quite well. Um, Steve Evans seemed to have a, a reasonably good game plan. So I think it all boils down to, I suppose, what happens at Blackpool as to how big a deal or loss that draw, draw was. But uh, I sort of think we can't. Our run of form is going to have... We're going to have to have our wobble at some point. And if this has been our wobble then, you know, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. It's just the fact that the league, the league table is so weird that we end up dropping down so quickly. That's right. And on that note, let's uh, let's talk about what's going on around League One. So it's probably worth mentioning that we've lost Jack as of this stage. It sounds like the internet in Derby has disappeared from the face of the earth and um, Jack on his um, streets WhatsApp group have They've said that there's no internet anywhere. So that means he's no longer with us, which is very sad. John, reaction to that news? Well, as long as he's not out there pedalling on some sort of electric bike to get the lights back on as well. <laughs> I, think we'll um, I think we'll just have to admit defeat on this one. Yeah. So we obviously didn't play in the league on Saturday as we were in Geordie land. Um, but some results of note. So Bristol Rovers drew with Fleetwood. Fleetwood have really started piling down the table after a really strong start. Um Ipswich went top of the league with a 1-0 win at home to Lincoln. Um, have they been top? Maybe they were top earlier on in the season, but there you go. Big game at Peterborough against Rotherham United. Peterborough won that um, 2-1. All the goals coming in the first. That's a, that is a huge result. Yeah. for um, Something happened in that game. I think there was a, a red card or, or something. But, um, I've forgotten it now. But considering how the form Peterborough had been on before that, given where Rotherham were, um, it's a massive result, really. Yeah, huge, massive for them to get back onto, back on track. Um, Rochdale drew two with Gillingham. Sunderland on the Friday actually before that drew nil nil with Doncaster, which is obviously a game wheel we had interest in. Be it that uh, Donny won a won a decent run and still, I think they still got a few games in hand. Yeah, they do. So even now they've got three games in hand on Sunderland. I just remember what it was in that game. Somebody from the uh, the um, the fans had to be the fourth linesman. Had to be sorry, had to be the linesman because there was an issue, a fitness issue with what? one of the one of the refs. So they had to get someone <laughs> out of the crowd to be one of the linesmen. Oh my god, that's amazing! That's what it was. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Do you reckon they asked him yeah. if he was a fan? 
<laughs> yeah, they, they were. He had. They were like, "Is there any is any qualified linesman in the in the audience or in the audience, um, in the in the crowd?" And um, yeah, had to come out and do it. I'm pretty sure that was the story. Oh. It was that was a proper bizarre. There's no time. way I would ever do that unless I was only flagging the end where um, the opposition were attacking. If you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, off. Everything's off. It's all off. Um, it's worth noting actually on Tuesday. Um, so the Tuesday, sorry, gone um, just before the Saturday. Um, Peterborough also beat Wickham four nil. So they beat Wickham four nil, and then ended up beating yeah, Rotherham yeah. at home um, on the Saturday. So yeah, great turn of form for them. Let's hope. This league is weird. Is Wickham piling down that table? So Ipswich and Rotherham are in the auto places. Wickham dropped down to third. That, that must be the first time in a while they're outside of the autos. Coventry, Peterborough, and Sunderland make up um, the playoffs, and then. It's us and Portsmouth and very closely followed by then Burton, Doncaster, Fleetwood, pretty much every other team. There's only five points between Gillingham in 14th and us in 7th, which it just it just shows, as you said, like we put a run together um, and we're, we're, we've got a good shout. But don't put a run together and you could be out of it before you know it based on how many teams are poking around at the moment. So. It feels like Coventry are probably one of the few teams that haven't had a bit of a wobble and they've got three games in hand on Peterborough, for example. Yeah. So, so they could be, well, they could be top if their games, if their two games flow, they could be top. And I don't, I can't recall them having a wobble, maybe drawing quite a few games. Well, they've only but... lost three games out of 25. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So they've lost far less than Yeah, and 11 draws, there we are. So. <laughs> yeah, unbeaten in their last five, though, with four of them being wins. So they've, you know, they're turning form at the right time. I just hope that we can go on a run soon and get ourselves cemented kind of in, in the playoffs at least. Um. The problem with that is that we're not playing on Tuesday because it was going to be our game v Berry. So this Tuesday, well, when the pod comes out, so tomorrow or today, if you're listening to it tomorrow, uh, you know, there's some other guy. Accrington are playing Peterborough. That should not a nice place to go on a Tuesday night in in January. Um, other big games potentially to call out. So Coventry away at Fleetwood. That might, you know, there, there's chance of a slip there for Coventry that we just mentioned. Lincoln at home to Portsmouth. That should be a good game tough for both sides that uh, Rotherham at home to Ipswich Ooh, spicy good <laughs> games um, Wickham are at home to Blackpool so they're going to be hoping to get their season back on track Blackpool have really shot down the league as well but having said that they're still only you know six seven points away from us um, having not won well, for ages so I've got some horror some horror stats in the Blackpool preview oh. to scare you off thinking we're going to win that will come up shortly okay well, there you go. Uh, we did have some news about kind of ins and outs across um, League One in terms of transfers, but I think we'll cover that next week once the uh, window is closed. Um, but yeah, um, is it worth just noting February fixtures coming up? I think it's probably worth us just tw- quickly talking about it as we're talking about fixtures. So we're obviously going to preview Blackpool shortly. We're then going to have um, Newcastle at home on the Tuesday on the 4th of Feb, Peterborough away on the 8th of Feb, Burton on the away on the 11th of Feb. That's another Tuesday. On the 15th, we'll be playing Sunderland at home. On the 18th, which I'm guessing is a Tuesday, we've got Wimbledon. Um, oh, no, that'll be... Sorry, I'm getting mixed up, aren't I? Sunderland's going to be a Saturday. Sunday. Yeah, Wimbledon at home is going to be a Tuesday. That was the rearranged game. Ipswich away on the 22nd. Accrington at home on the 25th. And Southend at home on the 29th. So at least we'll probably beat Southend and end February on a high. But that is a crazy 
a cra- crazy amount of games. I mean, I love football, so I'm delighted, but I just hope that the squad can overcome it. But you've got to imagine other teams have got similar similar fixtures. Yeah, and it, it lends to the what we talked about right back at the start in terms of transfers of do we need to keep have a bloated squad in some positions and some players probably not be happy about it to get through those fixtures. There's no way that you know, Fosu can play ten games in in a in a in a month. Same with Gorin. Um, yeah, I think you've got to look and flip this the other way. That if we get through this this month with a significant number of draws, let's say six wins, you, we're almost nearly there in terms of the mentality and what that will do for our sort of confidence in terms of certainly getting playoffs at least. Um, so it 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 is season defining. Obviously, because it's February, you know, February is always a key time. But, you know, Peterborough away, Sunderland at home, Ipswich away, those are the sort of standout ones. But then yeah. you've got to get the sort of job done against, well, the Blackpools and the Accringtons. And of course, we've got to beat Southend or else Sol Campbell will be um, gloating over where, where he thought he should have been anyway. So yeah. um, I, I sort of look at it as a way of this is, this is the absolute test. And we'll probably know, we'll know where we are at the end of this month. I think, I think we need to aim to win five of those eight games, I would say. And that's going to be a challenge. But I think to, to make sure we're, we've got a steady position in the playoffs, I think we'll need to win about five of them. But God, absolutely a season-defining month and it's going to be interesting to see where we are at the end of it. But Taylor, Brannigan and Henry, well, let's just say Henry and Taylor for definite, <laughs> coming back into our team is massive for this time. But this is where I think we've all talked about it. We need another striker or we need to give Adji more opportunities because you're not... If for whatever reason we lose Taylor, that's 10 games where we need goals going in. And again, it's not let's dig Mackie pod, but he's only scored twice in 25 games. Um, yeah. So that, that'll that be key as well. I still wonder if we're going to bring in a striker before the end of the window. We'll have to see. Not much time. Anyway, let's preview Blackpool. <laughs> quite intricate this isn't it john yeah just, just like you know just me and you on the phone two of us. yeah it is <laughs> we can hopefully make it without any more internet failures <laughs> if we try uh that was what happens when we improvise on this Absolutely. part um so yeah so you touched on it about oh, blackpool I mean, they were absolutely flying and we had that first game of the season against them it was a really entertaining game that a couple of us went to and we probably felt we should have won but they've dropped off significantly in recent times, down to 15, who you mentioned. They've only played 25 games, so there's a bit of sort of wiggle room there. But in terms of goals, they, they, don't, they don't score a massive amount and they don't concede a huge amount. Pretty pretty level on that. But in terms of getting to the to the doom stats, um, they've not won away, assuming they don't beat Wickham tomorrow. And even if they do, it still be relevant. They haven't won away since the 17th of September. Oh, I don't like it. And and that and the last win was the seventh of December versus Fleetwood, local derby, so I guess that's a big win. But they they've really there's a lot of one nil losses at home in that mix. So they have they have played Rotherham, Shrewsbury, they drew with Sunderland, um they had Reading in the Cup twice, which they did get taken to a replay, which is which is fair enough. Um and they lost to Lincoln in the last game. So there's a bit of stuff in there. Um but it's not sort of definitely in, in free-for-all. Um, but, and this might be in our favour, 
but they have gone a bit mad on signing new players. So whether they've been able to whether they'll be able to integrate them more successfully is another matter. They've signed Gary Medine, who was you know, he's a fairly big name. He sort of he signed for Cardi for six million not that yeah, long ago. I was gonna say I thought it was a hefty a hefty fee though to pay for him. That's nuts. So now he's in League One. Yeah, and he was at he was at Bolton just just been just this season. Um and he came on against Lincoln in their last game, but he has that sort of if he can be bothered, he be he can be amazing sort of player but he didn't score for Bolton once so yeah you know it, it's a it's an interesting one they've signed um they seem to be signing a lot of sort of Premier League two type players so they've signed a Wolves midfielder Connor Ronan um but he's a Rob, Republic of Ireland's 21 international been playing in Slovakia for the last year on loan which I'm all for players playing internationally we're at whatever the country and whatever the random league so that's that's one but you know James Husband's signed an 18-month contract from Norwich, having been on loan. Uh, another Leicester midfield player, uh, Keenan Dewsbury Hall, defensive midfielder. Um, Rumoured today to be signing Ipswich midfielder John Nolan. So they're obviously rolling the dice on new players to arrest the slide, having sold Jordan Thompson to Stoke, who's Northern Ireland international. Um, but then they've still got those players like Jay Spearing, Nandale, is that how you pronounce the striker? Yeah. He's got Nandale, yeah. he's got twelve goals this season so far, so it's not bad. They've got Sean Scannell, Delfonso, Curtis Tilt, Liam Feeney's got ten assists. Um they've also got Yusuke Yussi Yaskalainen's son, who's a striker called Emil in their squad. That I thought oh. that I thought was a you know, one of those well that's there can't be that many Yuskalinens in uh <laughs> Blackpool <laughs> or the north of England. So um there must be a connection. And they've also got a player called Matthew Virtue that I thought was a really good name. But that's a great name. No, no real, no tactical analysis on that. Just, just a great name. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they, they've got a lot of useful players and bringing in loads of, you know, first some of them first loan, some of them have played out on loan type of young players. But um, who knows that the sort of formation wise, the game before last they played a four one three two, which is incredibly attacking. Um, but they seem to play more of sometimes they play a four three one two. So they don't appear to have much width in their team, but I think there'll be a bit of a confidence can't can't be high. But I, I'm I'm I'd call it as a well, if we don't it should be a home win, and I think it will be. I think we'll win two 0 or something like that. But based on all of that feedback, are you feeling confident yeah. or not? Um I think so. We we absolutely. I know both sides are going to be pretty different to what they looked like when we played them in the summer. Um, but we lost two one and but absolutely battered them, didn't we? Yeah. So I don't think there's any real value in looking back at that. But I think the players that were there in that game will take a load of confidence into this one, and they'll want to make sure we get the result right this time. I'd like to say that if we do what we you know earlier on in the season when we were winning every home game three nil. And we were getting early goals and going in at half time, two or three nil up. Yeah. I'd love it if we just notched one or two to just reduce the nerves. Because again, we haven't won in what four, two losses and then two draws. Yeah. We haven't won in four. We need to get we need to get a win. Like there's a lot of I think this is one of the most high pressure games that we've had this season in a way. Um all the other teams around us are starting to pick up results. We're not playing tomorrow night. You know, this is gonna be important. I imagine we'll there will be some results that push us further down potentially. So it's a huge one. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that we'll win two, one, um, and it will be horrible and stressful. 
but I, you know i think the twitchiness yeah. will come in if we don't win this game i think everyone's yeah. pretty pretty relaxed about the last few games the performance at newcastle obviously helps we've got something's going to happen this week on transfers that will give everyone a lift um so yeah i don't i don't I'm not worried about it per se and i think especially if henry's back i think he's a massive a massive yeah. um, miss and well taylor is taylor is obviously as well but i'm not too worried as we speak but the problem with these who teams, would you who oh. would you rather have back if you could only have taylor or henry back that's a really good question i would have i'd have taylor in a game like this um just cuz i think we sort of need i think our players play better with someone like him who is going to make the more, as we talked about earlier, the more recognised runs, be where they're expected to. Um, mm. Mackie brings a bit more of an unknown uh, factor to it, um, which can which definitely works at times. But I think he'll, Taylor brings a bit more structure into the game. And for players like Fosu, you want, I think he needs people to know exactly what's going to happen around him. And then if he wants to do something amazing, he can do it. Um, yeah. But I think Henry's also important for more of the structure in the in the centre of the team or out wide. So both please <laughs> yeah yeah for sure right um let's move on so jack was going to do the quiz but we decided to do zero prep for it because uh we were going to just use the quiz book that a few of us got for christmas who's it written by again the one and only christopher carpenter do you have it as well i don't have it but uh chris the- carpenter when um so someone in our supporters group offered a free copy out and James nabbed it yeah. before I could I get c- before I could get to my keys on my phone to say I'll have it and then I when claimed I, it and then when I arrived at the pub pre meet on Saturday and saw the thinnest piece of pathetic paper I've ever seen <laughs> booklet I thought actually I've dodged a bullet there and he's going to have to carry that around with him and um well you you carry on you've you've actually read something I mean. I thought it was a Martin Brodetsky special when I, you know, when I suggested that I wanted to acquire said book. Um, but I think Aaron, the chap who was giving it away, has has done me. I don't feel like he's got a duplicate copy at all. I think he's trying to punish me. Basically, if anyone that hasn't got it, this this book, this is written by a guy who's probably done about fifty five other books for other clubs. He's not an Oxford fan. Um, he's managed to pull some decent questions together. But um, the one of the most important questions that is based around Oxford's most probably significant moment as a club, the question is, when did we win the League Cup? And it wasn't really called the League Cup back then anyway, was it? But even then, the th- it's a multiple choice question and none of the options um, have 1986 <laughs> written down whatsoever. It was like 1972, 1995 or 90, I don't know. But it was just not, there wasn't one that was right. And that that kind of, you know, that that seemed to tail into the rest of the book as well. So, what was his name again? Sorry, Chris. Christopher Carpenter. Christopher Carpenter, and it says on the back that he's been to over fifty or sixty league grounds. So I don't think that qualifies you, Chris, to to write this book about Oxford. So there you go. Anyway, so that's replacing the quiz section. Just a few closing shout outs. Um, Oxford United fan chat has has been set up since we did our last pod. So please follow that at chat Oxford on um, Twitter. And that's going to run every Monday at half one to half two. 
with a hashtag OUFC chat. Mark Wilkins, who's at Biscuit Chaser on Twitter, has been doing a load of good kind of statistical analysis. He started a blog. They're really, they're really good reads, and he's putting seems to be putting a lot of effort into that stuff. So absolutely give him all he's, the support you can as Oxford fans. He's also um the man behind uh, the fan chat as well. So he's yeah, leading that yeah, up and yeah. I think gonna be doing more of that. Yeah. And that's all good and the, the closing thing is that we tried our best to find the fence end guys um in newcastle on saturday i was messaging liam who runs their pod and i was desperate for us to get a, a group shot that we didn't quite work out he, he had to drive back to bournemouth did liam can you imagine that i was like god that's crazy stuff he should have stayed out with us in flares at 4am but there you go um anyway we should be back next week um to talk about the goings on so we'll be um obviously talking about the blackpool and previewing let's get back to the list of all the all the games we're playing uh god newcastle right is that yeah. right yeah previewing newcastle yeah. and then peterborough i've got train tickets for peterborough but there doesn't seem to be anyone going but you know it's going to be a lonely travel for me that'll be a nervy game definitely <sighs> yes indeed right thanks everyone for listening um we'll go and double check that jack hasn't died with the lack of internet he's not committed suicide or anything so we'll go and hunt him down any any worries just send us a message and we'll let you know how he is but otherwise we will see you next week ta-ra cheers